What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Middle cough! Hey, B! Hey, And I feel like Justin Fields felt in the college football playoff semi middle cough. I strained a neck muscle stretching today, and I'm playing through the pain! You strained a muscle stretching? Yeah, you know sometimes you do like a big stretch, and right before the stretch is over, you think, at least I do, it happens like, I better be able to dismount the stretch because I'm in a really awkward position, and my muscles are all, like everything is as flexed as it can be, and then just bam, something seizes up on you, and you go into the tent. I'm in the tent. Could you swing a golf club right now? Uh, Yeah, I think I could swing a golf club. I'm practicing it here. I can't look like up and to the left. You know, I, you probably see because sometimes I'll be on our YouTube channel watching YouTubes I want to watch. Yeah. And I've ended up on this guy. He is a long drive champion. I, have we talked about this guy before? He's, He's just a really long haired guy hair. who uh, you've said, I think I've seen him or you sent me a video with him because he was He's in friends the lab with Bryson. With Bryson. Yeah. Yeah. But he has these videos on his name is Kyle something and he has his own YouTube channel and he has these videos where he just takes his camera out there solo and plays like whistling straights or pebble beach or whatever and he takes the track man out so when he edits it all together he's actually a really good golfer like he's breaking par but he's hitting 380 yard drives so you get to watch him and he hits like it'll be a 500 yard hole and he'll have a wedge in and he's talked about I think I was watching Golf Channel today. I just had it on the background. I look up and Bryson is just doing, I sent you a tweet. They had like the uh, uh, an, umbrella. an umbrella out there to see the difference of a putt with or without the win. But I guess they were talking about how Bryson sought him out and wanted to talk to him. Because this guy's a really good golfer, but an elite long drive guy. I'm telling you, just watching this guy play on some of his YouTube channel, it's kind of cool. Like it's, it's fucking outrageous 
how far he hits this ball. I'm on, it's the, crazy. I'm on the channel now. I mean, look at this 373,000 views. I mean, this guy. Yeah, if you're ever just on an edible sitting there Jared with your phone and want to watch a guy, yeah, 15 minutes play whistling straights and shoot 64, you know, it's, it's not, it's, it's more just to watch the drives. Doesn't really he's translate. A, yeah, he's playing a normal course, but these drives and he's got like, uh, he has the tracer. Mm-hmm. Clearly, there's an app. I think I, mm-hmm. I was looking it up the other day that if like me and you wanted to go play and like do videos of us playing, we could do an app, and mm-hmm. it just bombs into the air, you know. God. But he's not that big, you so know. It's here, not like he's rocked up, but he hits bombs. I mean, he's not. Yeah, I mean, he's in good shape. Here's it. This yeah, video, he's in so good shape, him, but he's not like some muscle bound nut job. Him playing Brendan Grace and then an amateur who's a ten handicap. Yeah, he does holes. some of that. Like he'll just play a pro. He'll. He took like him and another guy in the long drive competition, played like a match play, and they both just into like 400 yards. They're getting like 370 carries. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. YouTube is really just, there's a lot of sh- anything you want, you can find. Including Haberman and Middlecoff. Go get our channel. Yeah, including us. Uh, since you mentioned golf, by the way, apologies to Jared and anybody like Jared. Jared is a listener who DM'd me and said, is there uh, no gol- golf start back up this week? Century? This weekend, uh, we're not doing a golf DraftKings this weekend, but we are going to do individual day. I got to set this up as we're talking. DraftKings, join the Haberman and Middlecoff League. You don't want to do a total of six. You don't want to wait that if your guys are in the first couple games and then well, might as well I, just do two. Yeah, we could. I honestly don't know if you can. I'm not. Ex- I'm going to get on DraftKings as we're doing the podcast and uh, figure out exactly. Can we do a weekend? Would you rather do a weekend or just a Saturday and a Sunday? Yeah, I'd say the one problem with the weekend, if you kind of blow your load as your squad on the first couple games and you only have one or two guys, it's not as fun. Where you can, three games is a lot that I think we could probably separate maybe two 50-person games, like one Saturday, one Sunday. I'd wait till after we get off because I know you've done this a lot Yeah, i you screwed up before. <laughs> say it. I screw it up sometimes when I'm distracted. That's true. But I don't think... I. You could argue a 100-person game, $10 buy-in, all six games... It's just there is we a long period of time from Saturday morning till Sunday yeah. night. So right? it looks like you can do a Saturday and a Saturday and a Sunday or just a Saturday and then also do a Sunday, which would be I would be down to do two. Just have one game encapsulate one day and then a second game for a yeah. second day. I would agree. OK, because I'd say the good part of the playoffs, every team has good options. So there's the redundancy probably wouldn't be as crazy as you think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because like Lamar's playing Tannehill, like Tannehill's had some big time fantasy games. Right. Right. Like, if you pick Tannehill, no one would be like, this idiot, right? Going against the grain. Like, he could easily throw four touchdowns. Absolutely. And, and I know especially this, if you think one, everyone else one, is taking One beef guy. I've had with DraftKings is every time I've just played some independent games on my own, I'm just like, I'm not picking Derrick Henry this week. I'm not picking Derrick Henry this week. And every time the guy that wins like $5,000 in whatever game I'm in has Derrick Henry on his team. He had one of those seasons where... You probably look back, like betting against the Jets all season, you just pick Derrick Henry every season and figure out your roster from there. That's probably... But you would think like, oh, Derrick Henry, he just ran for 2,000. He ran for 190 against these guys last year in the playoffs. No, they're finally going to corral him and he's going to run for 70. And then all of a sudden you look up and he's got, you know, 95 at half. Right. And And you're thinking is like, well, everyone's going to have Derrick Henry, so I'm going to zig as everyone else zags. But then Derrick Henry has 38 points. And Zagan was the move because everyone ahead of you has Derrick Henry. Here's how I would put it. Every single coach has thought this right going into the game. I would imagine the number one thing the defensive coordinator tells their team when they're playing the Titans, 
we got to stop the run. And he still ran for 2,000 yards. And there's a reason his head coach, or excuse me, his offensive coordinator, every job opening, let me repeat, every job opening, he has an interview. Yeah. Every single one. Yeah. That and the reclamation of the quarterback. But it's related. Yeah, but I don't I don't think Robert Sala has job opening. Like, every single opening wants to talk to you, that's pretty impressive. Do you think if you were Arthur Smith, you'd keep working 18-hour uh, days, or would you just uh, chill out in the Bahamas and take the family money? I, I the just FedEx think... Money? I think you're much happier doing what you love, and I, I don't think I don't think you can coach football and not really like it. Like I haven't missed it one day since I've been gone. Not you one. like it, but not as you don't. Yeah, I mean, I like I make a career out of it, but I I don't. You gotta be these guys are addicts, man. Yeah, and maybe it's a little different when you coach that high. I never got a huge high on game day, right? Because it was usually a low when we lost. But on game day, it's, like, it's not like I'm doing anything. I get similar high now, betting on a game or sitting on my couch. <laughs> like it doesn't. You had no control. As a coach, you do get to kind of play the chess, right? Right. That is that is a pretty it's probably pretty fun. It's probably the best part. <laughs> what well, is yeah, it is the best part. Podcast brought to you by actually for the shoulder, I could use a little. Can you can you recommend something for me, Dr. Middlecoff? Podcast brought to you by ease.com promo code ham. Twenty bucks off your first order of fifty dollars or more. Or if you're a returning user, code ham and the number ten, ham ten gets you ten percent off. I can't recommend it enough, guy. Ease.com. They have topicals there. You put it on, the pain goes bye-bye. Ease.com, promo code HAM. My edibles were delivered. Your pre-rolls, your vapes, whatever you want. All you got to do is go to EAZE.com, shop around, look around, find what you want, order it, and then within 90 minutes max, usually within like 30, you get a text, and it's like, we're downstairs, or we're outside, we're here. <laughs> and then you go out there just like you would with DoorDash or Uber Eats to pick up your food, or go to meet your Uber, they just deliver your stuff. <laughs> that means it, you hand them your credit card, bang, bang, boom, they're gone. It's pretty incredible. I can't recommend it enough. Ease.com, tell all your friends. And if you're a returning user, Ham 10. Just got to be 21 or over. You get verified online in minutes. And then, uh, and then you start shopping, you start buying... Delivery comes your way. We appreciate the support of Ease and by Ease. Thank you very much. Do it. By the way, uh, real quick, you sent me the link to Tiger Woods, this photo, this like aerial photo of Tiger Woods' uh, home. Yeah. Which has a lot going on. <laughs> um, it's got four a four-hole golf, private golf course. Yeah, it looks like one of the holes definitely like might be a par five. Like It's not a small little thing. It's got a... A uh, private beach. Looks Unru like it's kind of its own island, right? It does. <laughs> it's got a hundred foot lap pool, which I like. I that's cool. That is cool. You figure that's yeah. you know thirty some yards. That's a pretty good. You can bang out some laps in that thing. Yeah. Obviously, the someone, tennis in the basketball court. I posted it to my story. Someone DM'd me and said, and I kind of remember this. I, I think he's been there a little while. He bought the property. It was multiple properties, multiple mansions, knocked the whole thing down. And then I would imagine the golf course was where one of the homes were, right? Because both sides are on the water. Right. Like one, yeah, run, yes. <laughs> so one's on like a I, cove and the other side so is there, the ocean. It was probably two, it was probably two mansions kind of, you know, looking at each other on who knows how many acres. He buys it both, knocks it all down and creates like it's 50 million value. It just to priceless. me looks like paradise. It's like absolutely it's just, priceless. <laughs> yeah, there's there is that was worth oh. 
<laughs> how yeah. great is it? that place looks sweet it, it does and, and by the way don't be confused that the hundred foot lap pool is that's not the only pool there's another pool right next to it it's just got a pool for like charlie and stuff to hang out with his friends who knows what the inside looks like but to me john the the thing that sets it off is the second story tea box that sits off of his bedroom it's like a balcony tea box which i don't know what the if you look you can see that it goes over the pool it goes over some trees it goes over one of the holes and into the cove so I don't know what the distance is, but it looks like he can just bang balls off the tee box, like off the sliding glass door into the water. It does look like maybe there's a green for multiple holes, right? It doesn't look like there's four greens, four holes. It's kind of like a connected with a couple holes that kind of makeshift. Yeah. You know, because four holes is a lot of real estate. And if I had to guess, I mean, he probably went in there with some bulldozers and stuff and created all that, like because the tree lines, yes, I, the way it went. I vaguely remember some old photos of him. Me, me too. I remember when he bought the two lots or the two mansions. I don't, and then clearly just knocked them all. Uh, well, I think he knocked was, them both. He knocked them all down. So he he erected that home that you see in the picture from scratch, right? Yeah, yeah. When people think about like how Charlie gets so good at golf, like I, oh yes, Dad's Tiger Woods. Well, yeah, it's it's a little bit more than that. He literally like he lives on a golf course. Well, he has holes in his backyard. He's not on a golf course, and then he has access to any golf course he wants to go to in the area and elite coaching. But so, yeah, you know what it reminds me like what you were saying for people who haven't seen the photo. Um, it remind you and I when we got to play cow club recently with uh, our buddy David Feldman. And he told us like sometimes the members will cross will take like there's fairways that touch and cross over so you'll they'll make up their own holes right yeah it looks like that's because you're right there's not four different fairways but there's just four different greens you could play it however you want to play it I recently maybe it was like last week or so, maybe it was when Charlie was in that tournament with Tiger I googled Jupiter and kind of looked at it I didn't, I had no clue where it was on the map it's it's actually South Florida, like a little bit above Miami. And I think he kind of created, and I could be wrong, but like this like this rich person society there. Is this where is this now where uh what Shaq lives lived? there? The Dustin lives there. The, the Epps, Jeffrey Epstein. What was the area that he that was Key? Was that what was that? I area? thought he lived in the Fort Lauderdale or Key West or one of the I don't think he like lived a little in rich, like a little island yeah. that was closed off from the rest of the of yeah. the area. I think there are a lot. Of, clearly, there's a lot. Of, like, where's Mar-a-Lago? Is that an island, or is that just the name of the resort? No, a good question. I don't know. It, it's basically where all the rich people in the Northeast vacation, or some of the, like, Fort Lauderdale, Miami, Jupiter, or whatever, they have their second. Because remember when Robert Kraft got caught Orchids of Asia? I think he has a house down in that yeah, area, yeah, right? Yeah, yep, yep. Because he was commuting. Yeah. He was flying to, to Kansas. He was day. about to fly to Kansas City from home. Yeah. He just yeah. needed a release and then hopped on with Jonathan and that's played right. the game. That's right. And won, remember? And D4. won the game. Yeah, that's what we that's what we do. Champions win. <laughs> another day, another uh, Robert Sala interview uh, or interview request. I think we're up to four now with him. The very attractive Chargers job, the latest, John. And uh, he's not the only one that could leave, right? You've got two offensive coaches in LaFleur and McDaniel, who now this year you cannot block if they have the opportunity to be an offensive coordinator. So this is something that Kyle Shanahan, you would think, is very prepared for. Um, what what stood out to you about what he said about kind of being ready for uh, Robert Sala's departure? When you said really attractive Charger job, I thought you were going to say really attractive bald man in the mix. I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Robert is true member mix. of the Brotherhood. 
is th- I watched Kyle talk yesterday with John Lynch, and he just basically said, I'm not that worried about it for a couple reasons. Two, he thinks they have good candidates internally and D'Amico Ryans, and just he didn't really listen. I think he was asked specifically about D'Amico Ryans. And then he also said that, like, I, I don't control this process. And I, I've been saying all along, I text with someone in the NFL today who told me probably in, like, November, he thought Sala was a lock. I said, do you still feel like Sala's a lock? He's like, I do. And he said Detroit. Mm. But the one thing it gets back to, and Kyle mentioned this, like, so there's six jobs or five jobs, right? You just need one person to choose that person. And there are... There are way more names out there right now. Do you see a report yesterday? Dan Mullen is going to interview with the Atlanta Falcons. Mm-hmm. So you have some of these names bef- beside the coordinators, Bienemy, Arthur Smith, Dayball, the, all the offensive guys. Then you have the college guys. And then you still got Marvin Lewis out there, which I don't think it's inconceivable that someone talks themselves in. Jim Caldwell is a guy that's kind of getting pushed that have had success before. You know, people forget Jim Caldwell. And I know it was kind of a little like Gruden with Dungy's team, like, same thing with Dungy with Peyton Manning, but they, he didn't get to the Super Bowl. He was the head coach when they lost to the Saints. You remember in like 09 when that Drew Brees, like he was the head coach. I think people think like Dungy was there. Dungy wasn't there as long as you think. Well, and John, uh, I'll add to that. He was 11 wins, seven wins, nine wins, nine wins in for the Detroit Lions. Like I would imagine Jim Caldwell looks back at the Detroit Lions and goes, you guys think you're better than, uh, he was what was his record there? I got to do some subtraction addition here. Thirty six and twenty eight. Well, what what gets you? And I, I don't even know what this means, but like, what moves the needle more the moment that guy's hired, Marvin Lewis or Robert Sala? Because they're both defensive guys. One guy just has a long history of winning in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, they. Moved if you were the, a fan I, of a team, wouldn't you just be like, well? I feel better about Marvin Lewis. I guess there's an upside to Robert. I just think the if we're talking, we're talking about two different things. Like what's the most likely to succeed, and what's your first reaction? What moves the needle? To me, the unknown hot name always moves the needle, unless the other guy's like dropping rings on the table, right? Yeah. So Robert Sala would move the needle more. I don't know that he would be the better hire. Yeah, I mean, I but Marvin Lewis seems would to be an example of somebody that could hire Mike McDaniel, right? Because a lot of these offensive coaches, you don't really think they're not going to hire away one of Shanahan's offensive coordinators because you have to be able to give that person play calling duty in order to take them. And well, it if I'm make hiring, sense for that. if I'm hiring Dayball or Arthur Smith or Bienemy, isn't the number one reason I'm hiring them? I guess the number one reason I think he has a chance to be a good head coach. But number like one B, I want you to do what you've been doing. Yeah, like Arthur Smith, do what you did in Tennessee. Brian Dayball, do what you did with Josh Allen with whoever my quarterback is, whoever we're going to draft. Like that, that is, I, I think that's become a much more powerful thing in the NFL. Definitely over the last three or four years before, when you hire an offensive, offensive coach, it wasn't guaranteed that he was going to call plays. Now it's part of the package. If I hire an offensive coach, he's not calling plays. I red flag the guy immediately. Like, I'm just like, what are we doing here with defense? We don't think about it like that. Like if you told me that Robert Sala, brought this dude that he worked with in Seattle, like the linebacker coach. He let that guy call plays. He's just going to be Robert Sala, and he's going to play a big part in that. Like, that's that to me happens more. Like, Robert Sala getting a job, and as the person that texts me that thought he was a lock, he's like, bro, he's... Everyone that I know that knows him is very impressed. Like, and clearly, I mean, he's... We've talked about it. He's a very impressive guy. You're hiring Robert Sala not to run... I mean, you are hiring him to run his defense... But you're really hiring him to lead your football team, right? And lead your guys, like so, Richard Sherman. We make fun of it. 
because we know he wants more cash. I don't blame him. I would too. But I, I think doesn't he mean is he's being genuine. Yeah, yeah, he's he's telling the truth. I think he's how genuine he about, him. about Robert Sala because everyone says the same thing with the Niners, right? So could, could you just because um, we were talking about it earlier, what what Shanahan was asked about Robert leaving, and I'd kind of forgotten. You reminded me that last year there was, I guess it was before the NFC Championship game, right? That, no, no, it was a, it was a division, the game. divisional game, where yeah. we thought this is the final ride for Robert Sala because he was about to become the Browns coach, and then he wasn't. remember last year, guy, the Niners didn't even need to play during this week. A lot's changed. Since I then. do remember that, and they're not playing this week either. <laughs> <laughs> they have the, they have a bye again this week, John. I don't know if you heard, <laughs> but but so then Kyle this week talked about it. Yeah, about losing yes, Robert on on Monday, like when they him and Lynch sat down with the Zoomer. So I just I, I'm a big believer. Like my first reaction, if he does leave, is to hire within. But I, I've been saying for a while, I by no means think it's a lock. I just because when you look around, and I think all of a sudden, you know, we'll get into this guy later. Like if Urban takes a seat, what if what if I told you right now, Urban Meyer and Dan Mullen are NFL coaches. Would you rethink like Robert Sala? You just start doing the math. You're like, well, you're telling me Arthur Smith's not going to get a job and Brian Dable? And Those Eric guys had, his Yeah, so all of a sudden you're at five. There's only six jobs. And what if, you know, the chart, what if Matt Campbell or someone goes outside the box? And Kyle kind of alluded to this. It's not like, it, it, it always feels more like this is going to happen and then it doesn't happen. Because Sean McVay, I mean, we just go over the names. Kingsbury, these names have consistently come out of just I wouldn't say left field but we we have a we have a track record now the last three or four years and maybe this is what you're talking about of like coaches or I mean owner GMs trying to get some credit on the hiring day and, and maybe they truly believe like Cliff Kingsbury is the best could that be is that possible though or was it just like is it the possible easiest that move for you know yeah I, but that one was unique did they have the number one pick already at yeah, that point they, they, like they, there they was the Kyler yeah. dynamic did you mention Josh McDaniels I did not, no. I feel like he's just going to stay put now until Bill leaves, but Chargers might be a unique job, right? Um, I, I was I was hoping Bill would like retire, give it to Josh, but then become a free agent. Would you guarantee if Bill Belichick did that and became a free agent, he would be guaranteed to have a job? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> that would be one of those like, all right, who's getting fired? Do you think someone will get fired for him? Yeah, I think somebody could get fired for him. Well, if you're Jerry Jones, wouldn't you fire immediately Mike McCarthy? Absolutely. It would just be Bill it would Belichick. be Bill getting to choose what job does he want, and then if that place has a coach, how would big would that, that story coach. be if Belichick became the coach of the Cowboys? Would if we Belichick started doing, yeah, that'd be great. Or if Belichick just started doing the thing, like remember when Peyton Manning, like Harbaugh was flying, different teams were flying in to try and pitch him. If Belichick just took the jet or like holed up at like a Indianapolis hotel and everybody was coming to him, it'd be pretty great. Well, how much money would he get? Like, would Arthur Blank just give him $25 million a year or something? It's not like he wouldn't be a lock to me to go to the Chargers or the Jacksonville Jaguar. Like, if you just told me the, he went to the Falcons for 25 million. Yeah, I think it'd be really easy to justify. <laughs> it sounds crazy if you're an owner, but then you start thinking, well, I'm going to spend $19 million on a bad quarterback. Quarterback? I'm going to spend $19 million on like a corner. Yeah, yeah. Well, a good <laughs> corner, though. But yeah, that's capped. This guy's not even capped. No, it doesn't affect you. I hope the University of Texas available. would try to give him like fifty million a year. I I couldn't see him in college. No, I would. Maybe he to. just went fu and did it. Like yeah. he just became the head coach at like uh, he would need to be an academic university. 
But then it's harder to recruit, and he doesn't like losing. It just, so no, it'd be like uh, <laughs> like Southern New Hampshire University that does like online ads. They would like form a football team and hire Belichick. Yeah. Be like, wait a second, where'd they get all their money? Oh no, they this place makes nine hundred million dollars a year. Don't you know? I think that's why he hit it off with Chip because Chip spent like twenty years in New Hampshire. <laughs> I know. Anyway, as it relates to Salah, you're right. I think it's easy for us to sit and say it's inevitable. Robert's going to get a job. I'm sure if we sat down with Robert Sala and said, Robert, you have four interviews now. You might end up with all six. Um, six or five? There's six job six. openings. So, Robert, you have four job interviews. You might end up with six. How does it feel to you right now as you sit here? Do you feel like you're about to, you're absolutely becoming a head coach? Would you bet your life savings you're about to get a job? I would bet that he would say no. It does not feel like an inevitability because from his seat, he's like, I got to look at all these guys. I got to beat out for any one of these jobs. I got to beat out all the guys you just listed. Eric Bieniemy's had momentum just like I have. Arthur Smith has it. Brian Dayball has it. Hell, some of these guys are coaching in the playoffs right now. Then I got Urban. Then I got Campbell. Then I got Mullen. Then I got, I mean, someone's going to call Lincoln Riley. He might say no, but whatever. No, you're right. I bet from his seat, it does not feel inevitable. And that's the seat. Kyle's a couple closer. guys that have been in the playoffs before as head coaches, the guys we, yeah, mentioned you mentioned came. Marvin, right? Yeah. So, so it, it I just, mean, Jason Garrett interviewed for crying out loud. Yeah. I, I'm not saying he's getting the job. I'm just saying from Robert's perspective, he goes, they could easily hire any one of these other guys. Well, that, that, that to me, like all of a sudden Jason Garrett gets a job, which isn't that crazy. I think he, his time in Dallas has already aged pretty well. It's like, wait, Mike McCarthy, who was winning, like Jason Garrett might not actually be terrible. All it takes is a Jason Garrett, a Marvin Lewis, and a college guy or two to be like, yeah, he just he's left empty-handed again. Anyone that's interviewed for a job knows, even when you feel really good about it and it goes really well, and most jobs that we're all interviewing for aren't public, so it's like you know the other candidates. But even you're like, you know, I killed it. You do know, like, God, I hope they call me back. You spend a couple days or a week or whatever kind of looking at your phone, like, do they really like me? There is just unknown. It's right. human nature to me, whether you're interviewing for a $80,000 non-public job or an NFL head coaching job, that if it goes really well, there's still part of you that like, man, they haven't called for a couple days. This might not be good. It's just, again, it's probably a little different in football because you got your agent telling you what he's hearing and guys telling you what you're hearing, which could make it worse. Right, you're like, well, last year you told me I was going to get the Browns job, and then all of a sudden I kick Stefanski's ass. Stefanski gets it, and then it kind of aged well. I actually don't think last year helped Sala in the sense that, like, you know, I had a, I, I was talking to a buddy this morning that's in the NFL that actually, like, when they, I think maybe a little after Thanksgiving, they cut down the party beside the players and immediate coaches to have around. So like extra scouts and stuff were just told like, you can get to go home. He's like, sweet, I'm out. So he just gets to work from home right now. And he, and I told him that I, I had this thought last year gets Stefanski. And I think you see this with Arthur Smith, that the NFL became, and, and I think Robert Sala falls under this too, with like those guys that we started hiring these coordinators at really young ages that did not happen the majority of just football in general, college or pros. And then because you could just have success, if you were in the right spot, you get a head coaching job really young. And some of those guys started failing and it just, it looked weird. And guys like that had been a coordinator for one year, got head coaching jobs. and They didn't deserve it. 
look at Arthur Smith and look at Stefanski, even Robert Sala. Like the dude was a quality control guy for a while. Right. The dude was a linebacker coach for a while. Like he had to kind of cut his Arthur Smith was a longtime position coaching grunt for the Titans. You look at Stefanski's resume, he was in Minnesota forever in various positions. And I just think the more and more you do something, it, you start you know building your philosophies, and then you get your shot. Like I bet when you look at Nick Saban's resume, it took him a little longer than you think just to become the head coach. And when he did become a head coach, remember, he went back with Belichick to be a coordinator. I, I think sometimes we throw these guys in this position – and for every McVeigh that can handle it, it's a little bit like an NBA player that comes straight out of high school. For every LeBron and Kobe, there's a lot of guys that you've never heard of and never will hear of again. Right. And for every Sean McVeigh, there's a lot of guys that you would you you immediately regret. Kyle Shanahan's a good example. Like the guy started coaching like oh four or oh five, whenever he got finished in Texas. He started coaching immediately. Yep. Yep. And he's had, and he had a lot of jobs before he became the Niners head coach. He had a lot of play calling jobs. You know one thing he said yesterday when he was I could tell he was trying to almost give like San Francisco, like boosted up. Like I love living here is once this off season starts, it's going to be the longest I've ever lived in a place since my coaching career. <laughs> wow. It's probably a little bit easier when you start making, you know, $10 million to be like, but it's just those guys, I think kind of get used to moving around. Yep. Yep. Fresh starts in a all weird the time. Way. There's no doubt. Very, it's very military, military in that way. Yeah. Just a lot more money comes along with it. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> So, uh, you know, we did a video after the Raiders season ended about how the least of the Raiders issues is Derek Carr and just how refreshing that is. The last couple of years, the offseason discussion has been, can Carr take the next step, all that kind of stuff. That is, he is not the reason the Raiders did not make the playoffs this year, um, which led me to ask you this question, John. Who moves out of the neighborhood first, Gruden or Carr at this point? Which is another way of saying, who's the bigger question mark right now for the Raiders? It's Gruden. Yeah, I don't know I mean, if he moves I, first, but... Well, you, you told me that people were on the video we posted, I think we did on the podcast too, that were saying that if you're going to give Carr, who now has established himself as a good NFL quarterback, credit, you got to give Gruden credit, yeah. which is true. Absolutely fair. But part of being the head coach is you get blame or credit for everything. Like if all of a sudden you just fix the offense, that's great. If the defense regresses when it was already shitty and you have to fire a coach that you handpick coming here, I got a red flag on you. When you make, I would say, two pretty historic moves. I guess trading Amari is not that. That's happened before. A guy, a new coach comes in, trade a player for a first-round pick. The Khalil Mack thing. I remember there were stats. No player that had won an all-pro position the previous year had ever been traded the following year. Remember, the moment it happened, it was historic the way a player with that accomplishment had been moved. Like, that, that is part of Gruden's resume, right? Amari Cooper, I was texting you during the game. I just ended up, I don't watch that much Cowboy football, but I do go to their box scores a lot just because they got three wide receivers. Even Gallup, who is the least famous of the three, just if you pick him on the right daily fantasy day, he'll fucking produce mm -hmm. for you. Amari had a career year this year in catches. He was, middle of that game, he was over 90. So, and I, I follow a bunch of Cowboy people like, Dallas does not regret, like they got 92 catches, 1,100 yards out of Amari Cooper this year. 92 catches. With, on a team with CeeDee Lamb, who's a young star, and Michael Gallup, who's probably like, if he's the number three, he's the best number three in the league. And they didn't have a quarterback, right? Once Dak gets hurt, he's playing with Andy. He played with the one dude from like James Madison. Remember that we were making I do I remember. Uh, the, the, the Chico's the, the, Pizza? Yeah. The, the, the Nucci. Ben DiNucci. Yeah. The, 
that the team account was just their coach at home on his TV, like so happy that Danucci got it. It was, it honestly was very refreshing to see something like that. But that, like, Amari, if anything, Khalil to me has been a little hit or miss, but relative to what the Raiders have, they would, you know, do anything to have a Khalil Mack. And Amari's just been really good. Like, it's just, that, but that's part of Gruden. And then Gruden makes these moves and he's already mad at Arnett and he's, you know, he's he's critical of uh, Abram for not playing the right way and he's having to fire his defensive coordinator and now there are rumors that he's going to go after Gus Bradley. I got news for you. If Gus Bradley has options, because he's going to, Gus Bradley's been a head coach for four or five years. Coordinator, a top coordinator in the league makes two to three million dollars. Gus Bradley is rich and he's going to be sought after. Like he's going to have options. I would say on paper, the Raiders on paper, you have a coach that doesn't feel like he values defense, right? He, you just saw he had what I thought was like his best friend, fired him, fired him. And now he's just going to go to Gus Bradley and it's just going to be cool. Like, I, it does feel like, especially if you're Gus, like you just came from Anthony Lynn, like clearly a really high level human, the team underachieved, even though when you look at the, the records, They've had way more wins the last three years than the Raiders. Like, don't I, I think sometimes we equate the Raiders, and you've done a good job of this in Dubao, of like we act like <laughs> the Raiders have had Dubao in the same sentence. We act like they've had more success than they've had. Mm-hmm. You know, they just haven't. And I just so if your Gus is a double whammy, you're already rich. So whoever's wants you, and multiple people are going to want them, they're going to pay them. So two, you're going to look at well, our defensive roster is pitiful. Slash, they, I don't even think the head coach like. We'll go to okay. It's just a weird spot to be in. I don't think it's a desirable job. And the other and, part and, of that again, is that can they pay? On, that falls on John Gruden. Yeah, and can they pay as much as somebody else could pay, say Gus Bradley? But you're right. That's if 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 it was just about Carr, that's that's offensive coordinator standards. We're like, hey, good job with the quarterback. You've done your job. It's the primary part of Gruden's job, but it's not the only part of his job. And well, a lot of what we've talked about over the last few years is draft picks in handling players who needed to get paid, like Amari or Khalil Mack. Um, and hiring the defensive coordinator falls under your purview. Like, all this stuff. You don't... Well, think about this. When the Chiefs lost to the Patriots in that game where D. Ford went off sides, but if you remember that year, their defense was pretty pitiful. Andy fired Bob Sutton, who had been his defensive coordinator the entire time he'd been in Kansas City. And people forget this, but when Alex first got there, I'd say, like, the first two and a half to definitely maybe three and a half years, they were a defensive team. The last couple years, Alex really came on. When Andy first got there, Justin Houston, Tom Bali, Don Terry Poe, Derek Johnson, Eric Berry, they, they, they had a, their defense was, I remember going to a game against Harbaugh in 14, and it was just a slugfest. It was like, they were a defensive-oriented team. Then the defense kind of got old. He fired them, and I think he really liked Bob Sutton. He hired Steve Spagnola. Yeah. What happened last year? Their defense toward the end of the season came on, they won the Super Bowl. This year again, like you watch the Chiefs, like their offense actually has been hit or miss the second half of the season. Their defense is good. Even like the, he Yeah. Does, that's all that's Andy Reid. Like that's Mahomes, it's more than just Mahomes and Tyree Kill. It's the defense, it's working with Veach, it's it's everything. Like being the head coach, I really th- truly believe this. It's probably one of the harder CEO jobs. It's not technically the CEO. But you are more important than technically the CEO of a of a franchise, right? You make more money than him. You're in charge of fucking everything that matters, especially if you have the, player uh, control. Yeah, which most of the top coaches do. Yeah, which John does. So John, as a ten million dollar, we could just you can call him a head coach or you can call him a CEO. Like you don't. If 
everything that encompasses that bill, like if you're Bob Iger, you know, it's not just about the movies. It's part of the theme parks and ESPN. And like the cruise you, ships. Yeah, it's all you. Yeah. Yep. And I just think Gruden... And you don't get to say, well, our movie division is crushing it. It's like, okay, what about all your other divisions? Like, think of... You know what? The Iger thing's great. Think of a football team as everything is a different division. Well, your quarterbacking division is crushing it. But your your drafting position's questionable. Your The players you decide to spend your money on is questionable. Your defensive division is questionable. Like, these are all your divisions. Your... I don't know, team discipline division did not seem like it was very good this year. Your quarterback division is great. Well, congrats. That's a great division to have. But it's not the only division you have. Not when you're the head coach. How about this? If he was the offensive coordinator of this team, John, he'd be get, he'd get a head coaching job this year. But he's not. He's the head coach of the team. This area is really hard. It's really hard. The, the game management part, and I'd say most coaches are bad. But John is part of that bad coaches. Like it's He had some very, and I think most Raider fans will agree, they had some moments that were head scratching on just pretty basic, like, bro, you're not going to go for it here. You know, it, w- when his team had established who he is. So him as a coach, how about that guy? Him as an in-game coach, not dialing up the play to hit Aguilar, but like, hey, do I need to call a timeout? Do we need to go for it? I'd say Gruden gets a fail on that, which no one even remembered that part of him because it was so far removed. Besides, like, some diehard... I have a couple diehard Raider fans that go, yeah, Gruden was really conservative in his Raider time. But I I always push back and be like, yeah, the league was. You know, the league's changed. And part of him being gone for 10 years, he's been in the lab. He's been learning. He's been thinking. He's changed. And then what happens? He comes back and it feels like he's playing like it's 2000 where your defense is giving up 30 points a game. Like, John, you got to go for it. He cost them the opportunity to win some games with just not going for it. When they were in position by kicking field goals, and then it's it snowballed in like three different times. Well, and part of that, I think, if I think back to the criticism sometimes, it was like, it it almost felt like he was giving his defense more credit than they deserved, right? You're like relying on your defense when no one believes in your defense. Isn't the number one thing as a leader, slash as a CEO, slash as a head coach, slash as a, you know, doing anything, is being able to understand whatever you have, whatever your business is, whatever your team is, truly understand what your strengths and weaknesses are. Don't put a round peg in a square hole. Well, I think Bill Belichick, you know how they did that top 100 players this year and he sat down, Yeah, you know, in like every, every position. And they asked him, I think it was the quarterback time and Peyton showed up and Brady showed up. I think Brady was there the whole time with him. And they asked Bill like, you know, how he's been so successful. And he gave a pretty basic answer, but it's like most people don't... He's like, football isn't that complicated. He's like, it goes back to the art of war. You take your strengths against their weaknesses and you try to avoid your weaknesses against their strengths. Like, that kind of is football, right? If they don't have... Kyle's king of this. His game plan. You can tell immediately if he thinks like, yeah, they don't tackle well on the edges. Or, you know, he thinks their linebackers, uh, you know, overcommit to one side. But it's just pretty basic stuff. Where, like, I think Gruden has a pretty good idea of that with his offense, but I don't think he sees that with his defense at all. And that's, to me, part of your head coach. For a guy also, like, sometimes Andy, <laughs> I'd say does this more than most coaches, sits on the bench during defense. <laughs> like McVay he just, style? He, yeah, he has, he has a lot of faith in his defensive coordinator. Gruden is always standing there. Like, Gruden's not over with Carr. Greg Olson is. Yeah. So it's like you are you're you're watching the entire process play out here, buddy. I remember, and I think I've seen this quote repurposed in the last month or two. But I remember watching it 
Urban Meyer this year on one of the Saturday Fox pregame shows. Yeah. Saying how much he hates when anybody on his, how much he would hate when they were in a coaching meeting and somebody on the staff would say a player's not good or this guy stinks so we can't use him. Right. Urban's very, he'd get, he'd get very animated. I've seen it say it. Maybe I've seen him say it now twice where he's like, no. It, it, it was one of his big things that went viral this year. It, well, yeah. It, it definitely went viral. You're right. And he's, his point is no, there, we, there are players. We got to find something they do well and make the most out of it. Like, I think if you watch a lot, as I did this year, I watched a ton of Urban every Saturday, and we'll get to him coming up. But he, a lot of his stuff is very simple. It's just about having core tenants, always coming back to them, always understanding what they are. I was talking about this with someone yesterday uh, about Dana Altman, who's the basketball coach at Oregon. And I've been to several of his practices, and he's really good. Like, I think he's a board, he's a Hall of Fame coach. He should be, probably, in the end. And he's got really good players. But I've been to a few of his practices, and he's got this thing. Like, people make fun of it. He says it so much. You know what he says all the time? Bend your knees. And if you watch him coach for an hour and a half, you'll hear him say the phrase, bend your knees, 45 times. I've been to multiple practices and shoot-arounds. And it's always, bend your knees, bend your knees, bend your everything. Bend your knees, bend your knees. And I think from the outside, people are like, oh, this guy's a, what, he's a genius. What does the genius do? It's like the basics over and over and over yeah. again. Well, it's like when I think of the two best quarterbacks that I've lived through, because I didn't really, I don't really count Elway, Marino, and Montana. I, the '80s just don't. When I think Brady and Manning, I think those guys attacked individual drills equally as hard as their team drills. And I think coaches, if you've ever read anything from Lou Holtz to Nick Saban to John Wooden, what was John Wooden's thing about putting your fucking sh- your socks on right so you didn't get blitz? And I think sometimes people in football, because part of John is you know got all this credit for being the smartest guy in the room, they go to 100 too fast, and you leave all these people in the dust. Where I, my beef with coaches has always been, no one can, and the best coaches always tell their coaches, no one cares what you know. Like, you don't get to run the route or whatever. So if you I- implement these schemes, whatever the Raiders were doing, the players have no clue. Like, they they always feel pretty consistently the most lost defense in the league. Like, guys just looking all around. Can't Gruden get involved and just come in and just be like, hey, let's just run one coverage today. And just do it well. And just see how it goes. Because it can't be any worse than what we are doing. It's just basic things that I bet a Dana Altman and Nick Saban, before we can like do zone pattern matching, can we just fucking run man coverage and just all game? The only call for our DBs. Just, or, or whatever the zone defense is, that's where they go. But no other calls. And that to me is what's so frustrating, I think, for a lot of, if you have a fan of a team, when you have a coach that like, what? I think sometimes it gets too complicated. And that's always a beef with Steve Kerr. Like, it's like, bro, you got to bring it back to earth. You no longer have Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson. You just got to let Steph run around and just fucking shoot. And they've done that the last couple games. He's he scored like 100 points in the last two games. They have been playing Sometimes, the Kings, but yeah. They played the Blazers, you know, when he scored the 62. I, I just think sometimes, and I think that works that way with anything. We're doing the podcast. I You just... Don't always try to make the most complicated thing and try to do the smartest thing or outthink the room. If you just do the most basic things well, I, you can, depending on who you're reading or what you watch, the percentage can change. But I, I believe if you just do the basic things well, whoever your competition is in whatever industry, you've already beat well over half. Well, if you, I, I would say this. If you were to watch the people who people consider the best interviewers in the business of interviewing over the years, whoever, Lisa, uh, uh, 
Barbara Walters to Tom Rinaldi, who's making his Fox debut this week on Wild Card Weekend. He's going to be a sideline reporter. His, now, he's well-researched. He's smart. But they ask very simple questions. They don't ask a lot. I think you you spend a lot of time listening to people ask questions. Some questions are created to show you how much they know. The best interviewers ask the simplest questions. You, you know who Sneaky does a good job of it, even though the subjects can be a little crazy, is Howard. His questions when he's, when Howard he's peppering, yeah, when oh, he's peppering it's, someone famous, it's, amazing. it's like, so was she good in bed? And that's the question. The question not some huge question. It's just, and he, and he puts them on the spot. He doesn't, I'm terrible at it. So many that, of his we, questions, though, but I think over the years you've done more of it and you've gotten a lot better because I think one of the things that it takes is I, Howard is great at. So many of his questions are just based on what the person just said. It's just listening. Yeah. Wow. Really? Sometimes it's just all it takes is really? <laughs> Why well, watch this thing how Rogan makes for, and I think Howard is the king of this and Rogan has learned. I don't know if he learned from Howard, but he has a very similar style is asking questions and rehashing things that they had said yeah. to give it back. To oh, make you're right. Rogan better. does do that. Yeah. And one thing I oh, was watching Oh, wow. Is, you were really sick. I, I watched this like five minute thing of the three things that he does to separate himself. One of them is to laugh, but genuine laugh. Like when the guy says something, some people aren't paying attention. My problem as an interviewer is I'm always thinking of you my next question. Yeah. But if you That's don't, right. if you're just going to ask a simple question, you don't have to kind of go crazy on like, well, this one time when I was doing this, you make it about yourself. Like no one cares. I also think the setting, like Rogan's setting is set up yeah. really well. Like start, an hour or two. I mean, you're sitting are, next to him. You're sitting next to him and they come in with the expectation that, you know, like you're going to, people go in really nervous to talk to Howard. So he's got them on their heels. You can ask anything you want. Right. Anyway, uh, good luck to Gruden and Carr. <laughs> John, this podcast is brought to you in part by MyBookie. MyBookie.ag, promo code HAM and the number one. MyBookie.ag, promo code HAM and the number one. We've got six NFL games that you can bet on this week. When you use the code HAM1, they'll match that deposit 50% up to $1,000. Remember, if you accept the bonus, you do have to bet the full amount before you can withdraw your winnings. More details, break that down on the website. They're also very uh, responsive. If you have any questions, you can just message my bookie, uh, as we both have over the years. Um, but uh, even even if you decline the bonus, you can use the promo code Ham One. What do you What do you like out there? What are you seeing? Uh, I, I I was thinking about this game this morning. I'd expect whenever the percentages come out by like Friday or Saturday, the public where they're betting, the Bills are going to be a huge public bet. They've been so hot. Their team's rolling. I think six and a half points with the Colts who just have a good infrastructure in terms of they have a good defense. They can Jonathan Taylor, have you noticed what he's been doing like the last month? I, I have. I mean, he's killing Hold it. Hold on to the football. Six and a half points, guys, a lot. And I, I think people are going to, oh, Phillip Rivers. I could see that game being a little tighter than people think. And if the Colts can just get a little momentum early on, who knows, the Bills get a little tight. Of all the big underdogs, like the Bucks, I, I expect the Bucks to win by like 20. Uh, the Rams-Seattle game, that game is just, it's as Sim and Sal would say, it's in the Vegas zone. I don't even think anyone knows what to do with it because John Walford, Jamal Adams. I, I do think the Colts, though, their games all kind of look the same unless they play the Raiders and they blow them out. But th they are in a lot of tight games, whether they're playing the Steelers or whether they're playing the Jacks. So I, six and a half points to me, I, I, I like that. That's Other than that, I don't love a lot of these games. But I do like six and a half. I guess Titans are a home underdog. Seems a little crazy. It does. 
but do, they are. Yeah. Um, do you have uh, NFL Super Bowl odds there? Uh, that I do. Let's see. I think uh, the Bills are going to win the Super Bowl. So let's go. Super Bowl odds to win. You think the Bills are going to win the Super Bowl? Mm-hmm. The Buffalo Bills are about six and a half to one. Chiefs two and a half to one. Packers three and a half to one. I don't mind the Bucks eight to one. I don't, I, don't either, the Bucks? I don't either. But I like the value on the Bills there. Titans defense isn't good enough, but thirty to one. That's pretty good odds. Thirty They're to one. Thirty to one. Wow. I mean, they have the most dominant player on the field any game they play potentially. Well, but here here would be the problem. So if we assume that when the gonna, Titans beat the Ravens, yeah, and Pittsburgh beats Cleveland, that means the Titans have to go Ravens, Chiefs, <laughs> and then maybe they could just take their chance, right? Then they got to probably beat the Bills. Like that's <laughs> that's pretty hard. And then they got to beat the Packers. That that'd be a pretty incredible. Like their path. Remember last year it was like they beat Brady. Then they beat the Ravens, and then they were up in the Chiefs. It was just hard to maintain it. Yeah. It is really hard to win the AFC. They'd have to win three really hard games, two of them on the road. Unless the Browns were to upset, which I think would be hard. Especially given their situation. But do you like them 30-1? to more? What about the Colts 50-1? to No. I don't like Phillip Rivers to win a Super Bowl. That's kind of sad. What about the Washington football team 1,000-1? Uh, who would you feel better betting on, the Bears or the Browns? Well, I mean, before Stefanski, COVID out for the week, the Browns for sure. I I think you want this prediction. How about this one for you? Lonto Griffin, one hundred to one century championship. Uh, I've got Nick uh, Foles magic coming into the game this week. The question is, how much will the Bears be down before Matt Nagy has to go to Foles? Well, they're a nine and a half point underdog. They are a bigger underdog. Think about this: the Bears are better than Washington, yet they are a bigger underdog to Drew Brees nine and a half than the Bucks are a favorite against Washington. How's that possible? They do have good players, like David Montgomery's good, Allen Robinson's good, Khalil Mack's good, Roquan Smith's good. Like they do have one thing you watch Washington, you're like, who are their really good players besides like three guys? I watched a clip today. So on the video, somebody posted like, "Watch Chase Young take the pitch here, or no, take the toss here." So basically, run at the quarterback, Jalen Hurts, and yeah. uh, and even though I was watching him, I was still startled by how quickly he got to the quarterback and hit him. Someone asked me the other day. They said, "Would you take Chase Young over the Bosas?" My first response was like, no, the both, you know, it's all kind of equal. And then I was thinking, he plays yeah, this guy's, this guy's probably, uh, I think I would, you, John. Well, he, to me, he's, he's the Bosa brothers, but he's probably a slightly better. I mean, those guys are really good. I mean, Joey got a hundred. Nick was the rookie of the year slash best player on a Super Bowl team. And I think Chase Young, I mean, I'd be fascinated to like sit down with a beer if Ron's allowed to drink. And just be like, how good? And Del Rio's been around Khalil Mack. I bet they got to be like, God, this guy's fucking good. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I was with you. I was watching the Eagle game, and he's just tossing people. And he's massive. He's huge. How about the the touchdown he scored? Oh, I'm looking at God. him run, just like, are those size 18s? Look at this guy. Yeah. All right, John, time to talk about Urban Meyer, who uh, you and I have been talking about for uh, maybe a month or two now. 
about becoming an NFL head coach this year. And the Chargers seem we we've talked about the Chargers should hire him and the Jags are in the mix now. Maybe he'd like to be in Florida. Um, Mike Florio wrote on Tuesday that he would want somewhere in the neighborhood of $12 million a year. Rap sheet said, that's not true. Florio said, rap sheet doesn't know. Um, I think he would did demand. He, did he call it like state run media yeah, trying to yeah, hold down? Very personal. <laughs> um, 12, if you asked me what would it take to get urban, I would start the bidding at $10 million. So $12 million is absolutely what Urban should say he wants. Keep in mind, Urban Meyer doesn't look at himself like a guy that's never coached in the NFL. Urban Meyer views himself, and I think the league views Urban Meyer, and I think football views Urban Meyer as really great football coach. And that's what he expects to be paid as. Well, if Urban had taken the Texas job, you see Sark's making like 5-2. What would you guess... If Urban had accepted the Texas job, his salary would have been ten million dollars a year, something like that. Yeah, yeah, I would have too. And I asked you earlier today. I said, I'm trying to do the math in my head. I'm like, didn't Rule get like seven years, sixty years, like six? And you said he makes nine million dollars a year. Matt Rule, who had one good year at Baylor and he won a Temple. A lot of people win a Temple, right? I mean, it's Temple's been a stepping stone job for a lot of people. It's not like people go to. It's to me, it's not San Jose State. Like you can go to Temple and win eight, nine games, get NFL players. Honestly, it's got like a little Nevada-Fresno State feel to Philly. Like it's, you look at the history of the program, Bruce Arians, Todd Bowles, like they they got some NFL people that have come through there. It's a little different because like a big city, right? It's not normal in New York City, Boston, like kind of a smaller school, but it's, you go there to win. And he did. So Urban Meyer's resume compared to Matt Rule, who Matt Rule, people thought like was a no-brainer. Everyone wanted to hire him the last couple years. I'd say Urban Meyer infinitely feels strong, but is way all caps. Like it's just he's in a different world than Matt Rule in terms of resume, what he's accomplished. The the other thing with with Urban, it's like, yeah, he's never coached in the pros, but he ran like NFL teams, right? right? He had, I mean, NFL players. What he did at Florida was crazy, but then I think you go, well, you know, he kind of started the tone that way, but all those teams are kind of like that. Then he went to Ohio State, remember, and he kind of ruffled some feathers because like, we don't recruit as a conference like they do in the SEC. And I just typed in Chase Young to rivals. Chase Young was from Maryland. He was the eighth player nationally, the number one. Like He was just started going kind of Pete Carroll style. Like, I'm going to approach Ohio State like Pete did at USC, like I do at Florida. You like, you know, it, it didn't happen. It's kind of a new age thing the last couple decades where I'm the number one program in the country. I can get anyone, whether it's LA, whether it's Boston, whether it's Florida. It doesn't, I'm at a premium program. I'm going to go get the player I want. Kind of like the NFL draft, except you have an unlimited amount of picks, right? If you're the Seattle Seahawks, they're a bad example because they draft late. But like the, the Miami Dolphins, if you're drafting three, you get to pick whoever you want from whatever school, right? At number three, whoever's left on the board. In college football, Urban was lucky at Ohio State, but he approached it kind of like the draft. I'm going to go after yeah. the best player. Yeah. And he did. Yeah. And the, he got him. The difference is in college. And they've been good pros. Like It's like he isolated right. the guys. That NFL, gonna be, that's right. It, it's not like some sticky thing that only works in college. With I'd say both the times. like the When you look back at Florida, I think it's almost undervalued like damn he had Carlos Dunlop he had even the Ray McDonald's like some of the guys that aren't maybe as famous as like I don't know Percy Harvin or whoever even like a Riley Aaron Cooper's. Hernandez 
Yeah, I mean, he's the most famous. Riley Cooper was kind of a, a nobody. He said the swear word or whatever. But it's just like, that's like his, you know, 30th best player on his team is just a pro. Yeah. It was an end bomb. Bad end bomb, yeah. That's right. That was the Eagles. It was, he had a run there when uh, some Florida guys were all over the map once they left Florida. But well, the, it was, the it Pouncies. Was, well, it was bad. The Pouncies. Pouncies, yeah. Yeah. Um, Pretty good. <laughs> well, here's the other thing. Is like, Who are your guard and your center? All the Pouncy brothers? <laughs> the other thing is like, he... First of all, that's a 365-day-a-year job. College. Yeah. Well, the recruit, the, the accumulation of that talent. Yeah. But it is... It's evidence that you can... To me, working with the highest-level recruits is very similar in terms of just understanding in the NFL that you do have to value your workforce. Right, you don't get to beat them down over the head. I mean, obviously, he's a hard nosed coach in the Saban. Right, he is a lot of it's. He drains his body, like he's hard on his guys. But to me, it only works if you. It only works at big time programs if you over a period of time, if you have the proper level of respect from your players, because these are guys that could have picked to go in. These are five star guys. They don't have to be there. In the end of the day, I mean, you do need Nick and you do need Urban, but they're going to the NFL with or without you. Right. Yeah. And so there's this balance of like having enough respect to the player, knowing how to treat the player so that you can coach him the way you want to coach him. Now, I heard from somebody who who knows Urban that Urban wants to coach one more time and that he wants that the attractive one of the attractive things about the NFL to him is that he you know, for him, I think he views it like he's got one more job for five years and in college you have to recruit. And when you recruit, the fact that you may not be there in two or three years is used against you if you may not be there in two or three years. And in the NFL, nobody cares if Urban is going to be gone after five years. In in college, first of all, you have to lie to recruits if you know that in three years you're going to retire, but they're going to ask you, hey, the coach of Texas said you're leaving, or the coach of Florida said you're going to be leaving soon, or the Saban told me you're going to be leaving soon. What's the Harbaugh told well, you're, me you're... You're telling me Belichick and Pete Carroll at 69 years old don't need to do that to the guys they draft? Uh, nobody cares. Free agents don't care. Nobody cares how much longer you're going to be. They just want to know how much the paycheck's going to be. So that's one. That's another thing that's attractive to him is not having to, you know, do that recruiting game where he's pretending like he's not gonna be five years and then done. So, the, I think the, for me the question is like, can the Chargers pay, can Dean Spanos can they pay him twelve million dollars? I think the Jags job makes a lot of sense for him. I I would imagine he's more comfortable living in Florida than he is in L.A. Doesn't feel like a fit, but but L.A. I is, do I do wonder, and only he truly know this. Because when you're recruiting guys, which he would have been recruiting, right? They would have been underclassmen when he was there. What's Ryan Day now on his third year? This is his second year. So he would have recruited Trevor Lawrence and and uh, Justin Fields out of high school. If you could have sat with Urban Meyer in his office when they were both like in the fall in their senior year, because you you don't recruit both of them, right? I mean, you don't. You know, you're not going to get both. Yeah. Ideally, you just want to land the one. Who did you want? Like on their board. He had one. That's the thing. Like when you're at an Ohio State or a Florida, I remember being at Fresno State. We're like, well, we'll take the 17th guy that uh, the USC doesn't want. But at Ohio State, Bama, Clemson, like they, as but, as my buddy that works for Saban, we we don't like players don't pick us. We choose them. But I wonder, right? did Fields choose Georgia? I mean, Fields obviously started at Georgia. So did he pick? Well, but they, but there also might have been an element of like. Listen, you guys already have Joe Brady, yeah, Dwayne yeah, yeah. Haskins on the roster. They turned it down. But, like, those guys every year are on his recruiting board. Right. He, 
if they said, hey, coach, Justin Fields is interested in coming, he, I would imagine they had him ranked. Where was he ranked? Who did they? Because those guys were near the top. One, two, three, four, you know, one, two, whatever. I'd be fascinated. And he knows that. Yeah. Like, he, that's his one advantage. As I was talking on the phone with someone yesterday, Urban, way more than rule. Like, Urban has really been to all these guys' homes. Like, when Pete came in the league, he had recruited all the top guys. Maybe occasionally, you know, a guy that wasn't as good in high school, he didn't sit down. But but a lot of guys, like, and we see it, like, Najee Harris coming out. Who, you think Urban Meyer talked to Najee Harris? Of course he did, right? All, right. All, any guy that's in the top 100, Urban made a phone, has talked with personally and, and watched Watch his film or highlights. Film. Yep. And then if you, and you're in a major again. conference, think how many guys he played against. Yep. You remember, I, I actually think Urban's most impressive team was that Ohio, it's almost like he didn't get enough credit when he went to Ohio State, and we didn't realize just how sweet he was recruiting because it was like he was a major underdog to Alabama, and then they kind of kicked their ass, and it was like, God, who's this? Who's this big white defensive end? Who's this guy with the that doesn't have his jersey coming over his stomach? This running back, who is this wide receiver? Michael, what can't guard me, Thomas? Remember that team? It was just like, oh my God, and they were fucking loaded. And they were like, well, Oregon's got a sweet team. They'll hang. And they kicked their ass. And looking back, it was like, yeah, their entire roster was full of first-rounders that have aged pretty well in the NFL. To some, right, uh, Durant, well, that was Duran Lee, right? Is that how you said that guy's name? Yeah, and he was a bust. Von Bell, Joey, Bosa. Zeke. They had Taylor Decker. I mean, uh, Curtis Samuel. was Michael Thomas on that Michael team? Michael Thomas, Devin Smith. I mean, guy, that's and and those guys at the time they weren't going in the league; they were sophomores. So it was like you know these guys are young, and it was like eh, they're young, but they are. It, that, that'd be like a looking back on more like college basketball. You know, it happens a lot when guys can just go whenever. Some of those Kentucky teams, like with freshmen, that would be the equivalent. But all those guys had to come back. Yeah, I'd I'd hire. Him. I would too. Well, I think. If he wants a job, he's going to be in there. And, and, and it I'm leaning he's going to come. Yeah. yeah, well, you made the point to me before we started uh, recording is like, if he's going to do it, this year makes sense. If the Chargers job with Herbert, the Jags job with the number one overall pick, it doesn't make sense to not take a job right now. I think those two jobs for him make a lot of sense. Yeah. We just watched it, John, as we were recording our podcast. Devontae Smith, wide receiver, Alabama. The Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, been almost 30 years since a receiver won the Heisman. Uh, beauty is now we get to watch him. National championship game, all this other stuff. I mean, it's really wild the year. The team he was on last year, the year they had, Jalen Waddle gets hurt. Jalen Waddle's back at practice, by the way, this week. Maybe he plays in the national championship game. So I think part of the question is like, okay, what type of draft prospect is this Heisman Trophy winner? Pretty crazy. The last Heisman Trophy winner was Jerry Rice in Mississippi State Valley State. That was a joke. Not funny. Uh, Sorry. I, I, honestly, I didn't even. I, the last receiver. I didn't even. I didn't know a wide. I didn't know a wide receiver had ever won the award. I think it's kind of cool that just from a award standpoint, that it's not just the quarterback award. And I think we get into this sometimes with the MVP in football, like. Is it just the quarterback award? Just name it the quarterback award. Right. Who's the best quarterback? And that's called the Dave O'Brien. I think O'Brien. the Heisman Trophy because one of the th- pushes last year was like, is Chase Young the best player? Right. Sometimes I I, I want more of that, and hopefully, I, I just hope that becomes that way. Like a guy that's going to go in the top five of the draft, who's clearly the most dominant player, 
vote for that guy. Because every year, there's a couple Devontae Smiths. And I'd say most of the last couple decades, it hasn't felt like they really had a chance. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully that changes. I've been texting buddies that do the SEC. And I've asked them a couple questions. One, is Devontae Smith a lock to be the first wide receiver? Remember early on before he broke his leg, and he may come back for the game. Remember some of the plays Waddle was doing? We bet on them against uh, Ole Miss, and they were running these plays for Waddle. I was like, yes, we did. Jesus, Waddle guy is incredible. And I said, are we sure Devontae Smith's going to be the first Alabama wide receiver off the board? And his statement was, no, I am not. I would, I would take Waddle. And a lot had to do with his size. He's bigger. And then I asked, well, Devontae's kind of known as a speed guy. If you watch him play, right, they get him in space. They let him just make plays. He's a punt returner. He's a fantastic player. Like, you're kicking everyone's ass at the SEC at Alabama. Saban's leaning on you. You're an elite player. I mean, he just won the Heisman. But it just, even from an NFL standards, like, he's an NFL player. I said, well, they had a guy last year, right? They had two guys come out. One was, like, the Marvin Harrison type, Judy, that was just, I think we were like, does he have good enough hands? But that... He was a wide receiver in the NFL immediately. And then they had this Ruggs guy who was like, you just ran a 4-2-7? And I text my buddy right before we started recording. I said, what is Devontae? Because I've been told he weighs 166 pounds. And I looked at what Ruggs weighed at the combine. He weighed 188 pounds. And he ran a 4-2-7 at 188 pounds. At a 166, I said, what will Devontae Smith run? A 4-3? Is he a 4-3 guy? He said, probably not. 4-4s. Because you had mentioned that. And when you watch him, he's got like a long strider. But he's not like Tyreek Hill. So he's going to run, let's say, a four, let's just give him the benefit of the doubt. 4-4-2. At 166 pounds. Which I think might even pounds. be. Okay, let's go 4-4-5. Four, four, yeah. At 166. That's not a lock top 15 pick. Because 166 guy is really, really small. Remember, once upon a time, if we wanted to compare the two of them, and I think Deshaun's a little twitchier, but Deshaun also coming out of school was like 170 pounds. He went in the second round because of character. But like this guy, he was unstoppable, right? They got him the ball, punt returns. He was just an unstoppable force. Deshaun Jackson. I think of Desha- Deshaun Jackson. Yeah. If he had been a perfect character guy, like this guy is, they, they rave about it. Same with Ruggs. I think Deshaun would have gone to like 20s. Now the game's changed a little bit since, but do you think Ruggs... Again, different type player a little bit, a little faster. I wonder if that works against him a little bit. Like I, The more and more I envision this, he might go in the 20s. If what, if what works against? Ruggs just struggles. Now, Ruggs yeah, a different type player. Yeah, but I would say player. this. Like, you and I have watched every, games that, every game that Ruggs has played. He was the first receiver taken. Every guy in the top 70 has more catches than him, or at least going into week 17. But I, I'm was. just comparing to other wide, like you just, the, the Justin Jeffersons, Jamar Chase, CD Lamb, Waddles. Brandon You're just going to be plug and play types. Yeah. Where, where I think Devontae's a little scheme guy. And I mean that positively. Like he's a good scheme. Like you yeah, want I mean, I think he works a lot. He forward. does work in, you know, I think one of his pluses, right, is that he's a very good route runner. If I gave you over under good, 15 and a half in the draft. Um, well, look, I mean, we had what two or three receivers go in the top. Where did Judy go? Uh, Rugs went 11, 15. CD, yeah, 12 and 15 or whatever. Okay. So it was about three. It was and CD was like the Cowboys, like 17. And then Iuke went three receivers went in the teens. Then it was, it was, it was Justin Jefferson, Rager, Iuke, like yeah, kind of all back. I, I'm, you said we had like 15. six guys go from like pick 12 to 25. I don't think Ruggs works against him because I don't think 
I don't watch rugs and think rugs wouldn't, shouldn't work. Like I watch rugs and think rugs, this should work. Yeah. Uh, and I watch Devonte Smith and I think this should work. So top 15 is high though, especially when we've got, who knows if we could, we could have four quarterbacks go in the top 15. If Waddle's healthy, I think Waddle goes above him. This, I, I, and I would take Waddle above him. Jamar, Jamar Chase. Chase. Jamar Chase is going to go above him. Yeah. And then you just have all the quarterbacks. You got a Panay Sewell in there. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a couple other, whoever like the best defensive lineman is. They're just naturally those guys just kind of slot. Last year, the best wide receiver draft potentially ever, the first guy went 12. And all those guys, I would say those... Certainly, Judy and Ruggs felt like better prospects coming into that draft. They, they are. And CD, there were some questions, but clearly the answers on him were right on. Like, he's a stud. Yeah, he looks good. But I do think this guy's a really good player. Like, I think he's you the highest. This high, guy's a lot. He should be the highest. First rounder. First all, I, think he, I think he goes somewhere between 16 and 25. Uh, that, that, to me, feels. Well, like. but I'll tell you, you're asking, like, does the Ruggs' lack of production hurt him? I think he's helped by the fact that it felt like every rookie receiver was a hit. Not, and it turned out when I say every, I'm generalizing, but like if you just threw a dart at a dartboard full of names with rookie receivers in the NFL in 2020, you're more likely to hit a guy that they nailed the pick than not. But Guys were the other instant thing I, impact the other, players. The other thing I think working against them is just that. Because I go, look at the year before. Debo, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf. That's the true. value in the second round now, the Mims, the Higgins... I can just find a really good guy like uh, the kid at SC. What's his name? St. Brown. Like the guys that are just going to be this year Amin in the Ra, mix yeah. in the second round. Amon Ra, what if Tyler Vaughn's. What if I go, you know what? I'd rather take a corner or an offensive tackle right now and get that guy later. I think a lot of teams, once you see the success of these wide receivers from 20 to pick like 50 the last couple years, you go, you know, I wonder if I prioritize. Now, if you convince yourself this guy's going to be Deshaun Jackson, like if I told you he's going to, that he'll be the next Deshaun Jackson. It, and teams knew that. Is he a lock top 15 pick then? Yeah, he is. Yeah. He is. I agree. Uh, and I just, that, that to me is the hardest part about the draft. You just don't know. I'll tell you this. <laughs> I do think he's a real, I think he's a good pro. I think he's a potential pro bowler. Would it shock you if all four of the Alabama guys make a pro bowl one time no. in their career? Yeah, Why? Me because, it. I mean, normally we're used to working against the odds, but I'll say again, like, the odds say that all these receivers that came in this year shouldn't all be as good as they are, but they all are as good as they are, right? Do you think Jamar Chase has hurt his stock by doing nothing all fall? No. When I Obviously, he's been training or whatever, but... I don't think so. Yeah, I think he one. made the right decision is what I Not think. Not one overall, but, yeah. I'm I think definitely. letting the Joe Burrow tape be the last tape that's out there. Well, do, and do you think all Justin the guys Jefferson. that sat out like Panay Sewell has only gained steam, right? Or, I mean, stayed neutral. Like him, yeah. Jamar Chase and Panay Sewell are great examples of, I mean, Panay's a lock top five pick. Jamar, I think you got to probably nitpick his speed. It, like to when me, he it just depends on what you look like last. Like there's a, um, yeah, it just depends on what you look like last. Well, right? you went like, well, this guy was better than Jefferson in college and Jefferson was sweet. So you want him? <laughs> yeah, I'll take that guy. And I, that's where I do think the Judy and the Rugs, it hasn't been as seamless. I think Judy's made a lot of plays, he had a lot of drops, and the Rugs just the production just wasn't there. I, I think it would. Like, Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson is going to help Jamar Chase. Yeah, yeah, but but again, Rugs. It's not. I didn't watch Rugs and think that guy doesn't belong on NFL field. The name I was no, trying to think but, of was Paulson Adebo from Stanford. Was a guy that 
remember going into last year, they thought, oh, this could be a top 15 corner. And then he got beat a lot in that UCF game that Stanford played. Then he opted in and then opted out this year. So he ultimately didn't play. So his last film isn't great, but there are people that thought he could be a first round corner. I mean, there's a guy that maybe could have helped himself if he had played, but who knows? Yeah. And in and in fairness, like think about Waddle, who I'm sure we'll talk about a lot. Like he got injured. Both both Devontae Smith and Waddle could have gone pro. They could have had all four wide receivers. And if those four wide receivers there's a decent chance that maybe instead of Ayuk on the Niners, it's Waddle. Yeah. Right? I'll say this. Like, I think those guys probably helped themselves by coming back just by not being in that draft last year. I agree. Because there's a decent chance that CeeDee Lamb and Justin Jefferson still go above them. Yeah. Now, Rager, like, once it got to the Rager-Ayuk, how would those two guys have not have gone above Rager and Ayuk, right? Based on the college stuff. Yeah. But I could see Kyle Shanahan looking at Ayuk saying, I think he could hold up maybe a little better in all the stuff I want to do than maybe Devontae Smith could. Yeah. but And who knows? By the tad time, maybe like other guys were on the board too because Waddle would push them down. Right. 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 It just, you're right. They really helped themselves. Because when I think wide receivers, I have to go maybe text around. But I think one guy, and then I think those two guys. And Devontae's really helped himself. Because I think Devontae was somewhat under the radar with the group. To me, Ruggs and Judy, but Judy was the star. Ruggs was the speed demon. And Devontae was kind of doing some shit, and Waddle was this up-and-coming star. And I think they've kind of just, especially Devontae, kind of just made a name for himself, right? I'm a star. Yeah. Yeah. I can carry the team. Yep. And I, he, where he helped himself, and this might get him drafted higher than I think, well, he had Waddle the whole time. No, Waddle shattered his leg. And he was and he second said, on the okay. team. I think he was second on the team in receptions last year when it was a crowded team. Yeah, so he's... You're right. He'd probably end up going 12 to 18 range, somewhere in there. I still think you're right. It's When you put the number at 15, that's pretty tight, just given everything that's out there, all the other guys that are out there. But I know this, like, and we'll, we'll do some stuff later on this national championship game coming up uh, on Monday. There's just from a the Justin Fields standpoint, I mean, the Mac Jones standpoint, there's just so many guys to watch in this game, especially from a Niners I think it could get interesting. Let's say Justin Fields has like a five, six touchdown game again. And he throws together 11, 12 touchdowns in a two-game span against Clemson and Alabama. He's going ahead and of... Urban, and oh, Urban Meyer's oh. the coach of Jacksonville. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I think there's something to be said for... I, it's kind of nitpicking because the guy's been so great. But his true freshman year, Clemson, Trevor Lawrence I'm talking about, they come out, they beat Bama. That game was really about... Clemson's defense more so than it was about Clemson's offense. They remember they picked off two on the first series, pick six them. Wasn't the final score like 55 to yeah, 20? They kicked their butt. It yeah. it was worse than it really was, but they they just that was about their defense. I went back and I just happened to look. It's funny you brought it up. Um at Trevor Lawrence to some of his big games. He didn't have a great statistical game against Ohio State last year in the Final Four, right? He ran. He was 55% completion percentage in that game. Then they play LSU. He was 18-37 in that game. That's less than 50%. No touchdowns. He the was, eye test was bad, I remember, in that game. The eye te- would you say the eye test was good this, la- this last game they played against Ohio State? I mean, he was under Someone, a lot of pressure. It wasn't- a fan DM'd me and said... If you really want to nitpick the guy, watch when pressure comes. Yeah. And I've heard he's the at same a place thing. where not a lot of pressure. I think that's kind of out him, there. He freaks out a little bit. I think that's kind of a thing people are talking about. 
His numbers in some of these big games have not been great, and the pressure, now again, it's going to take a ton. We're nitpicking. But, you know, we talk but about him just fair, like there's I think nothing it's fair to, to nitpick. nitpick. Yeah, I think it's fair to nitpick when you're like, you know, this guy's basically Jesus meets Montana with a sprinkle of Brady and some an Andrew Luck. <laughs> like, yeah. like, oh my God. Yep. I, I, I'm telling you, guy, I think his hype is exceeded his talent, and he's really talented. Like, he'd be a number one pick. Basically, every year the last 30 years, give or take a paid Manning in Elway, right? That's that's not what we're arguing, that he's not a worthy candidate for the number one pick. But his hype is fucking out of control. It's out of control because he was anointed. And part of it, he got anointed after that year, after his freshman year. He can't miss. And then you just have two years worth of just having some bad games in the biggest spots. And the other thing, unlike Mac Jones where at least they get three or four games against like Florida, Georgia, LSU, A&M, which they still kick their ass, but going into the game, you feel like they they don't have any of those games. It's like, oh, they rival uh, South Carolina. You mean that fires their coach? You know, oh, uh, Miami, Florida State, that are awful. Oh, the, uh, Notre Dame, who joined the ACC one year, like this this year, and he didn't even play in one of the games, right? He didn't play in that? Yeah, in the first one. So if I'm an NFL event, if I'm Urban Meyer... I would spend those two games last year in the playoffs, the Notre Dame game this year, and the playoff game. Like, what What am I watching? I know he's really talented against Florida State when he's throwing five touchdowns. Right. Right? Like, that game doesn't mean that much to me. It gets back to the Zach Wilson argument. If Fields has another good game, like, I'm sorry, Fields has things on his resume that Zach Wilson just won't be able to touch. Trey Lance can't even sit at the table with any of these guys. <laughs> like, I mean, he doesn't. But Justin Fields would be like, Hey guys, if anything, I'm better than this guy. I've outplayed. Well, you the, could argue I've outplayed this guy twice. Yeah, the irony is there are some. I mean, I've I've read a couple things that there are some people that think Trey Lance has the highest ceiling of all these guys. Like someone's going to have that take. Like Bob McGinn's going to write that. You know what I mean? Like that's going to happen. It's just the and, way. And it you is. know what? Think about this. Josh Allen and his crew. Rosen had played at U, UCLA. Lamar Jackson played at Louisville, and they were were they in the ACC? I mean, they were playing big games. I remember watching them on TV. Baker Mayfield was in Oklahoma and played in the playoffs, and Sam Darnold was at USC. And it was like, most people were like, I'm telling you, the highest upside is Josh Allen. People were like, you're fucking nuts. But it was true. Like, it, it's just, it's undeniably true. Yeah. Why couldn't Trey Lance be? Because if Trey Lance, NFL people evaluate you off skills, not about like, well, he won the national championship. Like, they don't really care. I'm not saying it doesn't matter. But, like, it's not... Trevor Lawrence doesn't have it working against him that he didn't win three straight national championships, right? It's like, well, does he handle pressure well? Right. And not external pressure, like defensive pressure. Because I think you watch him, you go, that's a question mark. I'm not out on him, but I'm I'm out on him in the sense of... His hype is like he's going to be a pro bowler as a rookie. And I wonder if... Is it crazy to think, like, he has a rookie year that's just like... You know, okay, and he made it some moments, but also, like, well, God, he has a couple three-pick games. Think about the division. His you're best, playing Vrabel, you're playing the Colts. His best never looked like Burroughs. I don't think, right? Not in the highest moments. Did it ever look as good as what we just saw to Justin Fields? Those were some dimes. I know, he looked, yeah, that was, that was really good. Well, that's one of the great college football games probably ever played, right? Six touchdowns in a playoff game against... I, I always call them the defending national champs. I guess they win it like every two years. You know, it's hard to keep up with Alabama. You're just like, or, or Clemson. You just go, yeah, defending national champs. Like, actually, they lost, but they were there. Because, you, you know, when you go back and look at the playoffs, those two teams, 
and Ohio State have been involved. Like it's crazy how much those three teams have been in the playoffs. Oh yeah, it's it's all but one of them. I think they just siphon out either LSU or Oklahoma, or Georgia. But it's like those three teams are basically staples every year. Yeah, in the national championship, yeah. let alone the final four. Yeah, they've been. Last year was Clemson. Year before was both. Year before was Bama. Year before was both. Year before with both. Year before was Ohio State. So you could just eliminate Ohio. You could just say Clemson, Alabama have been in every national championship game, and then this year obviously it's Bama. And Ohio State's been in two. Well, yeah. Once you expand it to Ohio State, now it's every single one. You just take out Ohio State, and it's still one, two, three, four, five, six years straight. It's been either or both of Clemson, Alabama. And then, yes, Ohio State's been in the other two. It's easier in basketball because it's easier to play games. But it would be the equivalent, like if you just did the number one seeds, it would be pretty consistent if, in the, the tournament, right? If you just, it'd be Gonzaga, Duke, a lot of the time, Kentucky. It would change a little bit more. Change a little more, but yeah. A little bit more, but it would still. And this is only, I'd when you fo- think about it, this championship format's only had seven, seven years, years. It's not a lot. But it's, is it going to change anytime soon with these three teams? I wouldn't as say, long as the coaches no. stay? Yeah, it doesn't feel that way. What would you imagine the top five is next year coming into the college football season? Yeah, I mean, Ohio State will be very different, but you would think that they'll be right there. I mean, obviously, Clemson, Alabama. Ooh, Youngalale. Alabama's got uh, Bryce uh, is Hall. Bryce Hall. I think it's Love, but I could. it's Love or Hall. But yeah, some sweet dude. It's like, oh, who's their offensive coordinator? I don't know, Bill O'Brien. It, I'm going to end you on this. If he, If both guys want the job, if you were saving... O'Brien or Gase? Bryce Young. Uh, you said Hall. I said Love. We were close. Yeah. <laughs> um, He's an L.A. guy, right? Bryce Young? Yeah, he is. As is DJ Uyunglele. I think I would go. You ready for this? I think I'd go Gase. He, honestly, their offense hasn't looked bad when they've had some guys. But... I don't feel good about that. I mean, the one thing you'd say for for O'Brien is he worked with Bill. Like, he clearly could be a soldier, right? I mean, Gase I guess. Has, Gase has worked with Nick, too, before, remember? As, like, a low, low-level guy. Who would you go with? It's a tough one. I think it's tough. I, I, I would probably go with Gase. He's proven to be a really, really good coordinator. I think Billy O is just situ- – like, he's a head coach. It's a little harbosh. It's like, oh, can he coach position? No, he just head coach. <laughs> What else? No, he's just head coach. He just he can just be a head coach. Like I, I don't see like Bill O'Brien coaching wide receivers. You know, it just it's it's too far gone. Well, I, I do think Gase. There's a lot of yelling going on on the sideline. I think Gase could be happy for a year or two, just coach if the co- quarterback was really good, just being like the quarterback coach or offensive coordinator. Especially coming out of that. Yeah, you know, I don't think I, I think Billy O works to like has a lot of shit going on. They both do. I feel Gase would be the pick. Yeah. I, I kind of expect, if I was Gase, I'd take that job. I, I called, I mean, Saban's turned, he's the Betty Ford. I, I, funny, because not funny, because alcoholism isn't funny, but Sark had a drinking problem. But coaches go there to get rehab. I, I had forgotten that Loxley, how ugly it was in New Mexico. Remember, didn't it was bad. happen? Oh, uh, like with a kid or something, like a kind of a leech moment where yeah, you put, maybe. put a guy in a shed or hit a kid. Or that, I don't quite happened. remember all that, but I remember the team was horrific, <laughs> terrible. Yeah, the team was horrific, but they had a something happened there. I remember 
And it was like, oh, you just go to go to Bama. It's rehab. It's the Betty Ford Clinic of football. And you just, whether you actually have a drinking problem or you just need your career rehab, he just fucking gets you on your way. I, I, coaches got to be lined up to get there. Uh, Fired football coaches of America, the Gruden thing, I, I would immediately have my agent. Is, is Nick, uh, does he have an option or a place available for me? Think how much money Saban saves Alabama. He's actually kind of genius. He always hires these fired coaches that are still getting paid. So I wonder if they're, the amount of money they're paying people is actually a little less than you think. Because That's all why he has 7 already. million people on the yeah. staff. Yeah. Somebody got a DWI in like his kid's car. Loxley. Yeah, I'm just going back. Anyway. Where's Loxley right now? He's the head coach Maryland, of Maryland, right? Yeah, with Tua's brother. To, to Leah. And they're not terrible. I watched no. Talia, and he's he's not bad. People think Loxley's a really good offensive coach. Like, uh, I take Talia's just as good as Tua. Uh, pretty hot. <laughs> <laughs> Roses will bloom again, as Tua said, John. Yeah. All right. On that note, adios. Later. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get sixteen ounce packs of flavorful Angus ninety percent lean ground sirloin for four ninety nine each with a digital coupon. Then buy two get two free on twelve packs of delicious Coca Cola, Pepsi, or Seven Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.